I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. From Decrypt Media, this is the Decrypt Daily, and my name is Matthew Diemer. Today on the show, South Korea is combating illegal Bitcoin transactions. Red Sox legend Ted Williams collectibles hit NFT market. And Sergey Nazarov is back on the show to talk about Chainlink's White Paper 2.0, an expansion on a Decrypt article last week. That's coming up today on the Decrypt Daily. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the show. Today is Monday, April 19th, 2021. Sorry that I took yesterday off, but if I do anything in the morning besides just do the podcast, I just don't get it out in time. So I will not release a podcast after 12 o'clock Eastern Standard Time or nine o'clock pacific so if i think my morning is not going to line up where i can actually do the podcast and put it out by that time i'm not going to do it and sunday you know what i saw it was bloody and i had some things going on in the morning and there's no way for me to cut out the three to four hours a day to you know look at the articles to write the news to record the news and then to put it up there was no way i was going to be able to do that so i just said hey let's take a day off the market's down the market's bloody we don't need to be reminded about it. We need to close our portfolios. We need to close our portfolios. We need to turn off podcasts and just enjoy the day because we will bounce back. So let's go into those crypto prices to see if we did, in fact, bounce back. Here comes the money. Here we go. Money talk. And I'm recording this at 11.15 Eastern Standard Time. Bitcoin is in the number one spot at $55,109, down 0.1% from 24 hours ago. Ethereum is at $2,130, up a half a percent. Binance Coin's in the number three spot at $491, up 8% in 24, but down 15% in seven days. XRP moved back into the number four spot at $1.30, up 0.3%. Tellers at number five. And Dogecoin, Dogecoin, in a bloody, bloody Sunday, in bloody, bloody couple days, you're at 35.4 cents, up 15.4% in 24 hours. And... 395 percent in a week because that's normal because that is normal total market cap for all of cryptocurrency slipped below the two trillion dollar mark at 1.98 trillion dollars however i woke up this morning it was at 2.1 it just went down a little bit more we're just you know kind of figuring out a little new price discovery we'll see what happens in the next couple days up down we don't know but i'm still bullish and btc dominance we're at 51.9 percent now going into our main conversation today, we talked to the general Sergey Nazarov, co-founder of Chainlink. Last week, the crypt writer Arvina Hamaker, she wrote about Chainlink's white paper 2.0. Link for that is in the show notes. This conversation expands on the decrypt article, and this is going to tell you how Chainlink is going to be implemented in future technologies and what we can expect out of Chainlink 2.0. Enjoy this conversation. Doing well, Matt. Thank you for having me once again. You know what? You guys launched the Chainlink 2.0 white paper. And I have one specific question I want to ask you is how will decentralized Oracle networks change the smart contract industry? So I, I think the, the shift is actually already underway because when you look at what most DeFi smart contracts are, they are what we in the white paper call a hybrid smart contract, which is a combination of an on-chain piece of smart contract code and a trust-minimized 
piece of off-chain code often provided in the form of a decentralized Oracle network. Decentralized Oracle networks in their initial early um, incarnation are doing now is giving birth and acceleration of DeFi, right? They're, they're kind of creating the DeFi applications and they're accelerating their evolution by providing them the data and the various um, inputs that they need to exist. And I, I don't think it's a coincidence that as we've put the largest amount of data onto public blockchains from the outside world ever, you see the largest growth in decentralized financial products that you know consequently use that data. I think what decentralized Oracle networks as defined in the white paper will do going forward is they will provide a more expansive set of services beyond just data delivery. They will actually be able to aggregate data from multiple different places and implement some amount of logic within the decentralized Oracle network that you don't want or need on a blockchain, but that you do want from the perspective of making a more advanced hybrid smart contract. And then what I really see happening in, in the longer term is that as thousands of decentralized Oracle networks appear, uh, I think what you really see is the creation of what we're calling um, a decentralized meta layer, which is this very large collection of decentralized Oracle networks into which you could actually, you could basically input a smart contract that runs in, in both places. It runs on-chain and it runs off-chain. And, and, and what I think you're going to see is that the more advanced smart contracts actually utilize multiple decentralized Oracle networks to achieve the, the, the value that they're providing to users. We, we actually already see this where certain users are using um, a decentralized Oracle network for one piece of price data, another decentralized Oracle network for another piece of price data, and then another decentralized Oracle network for something like proof of reserve or randomness. And so we're already seeing that the building blocks of a hybrid smart contract that does something you know, truly useful and, and more expansive than, than tokenization is really about writing really secure, well-audited, efficient on-chain code that controls value, takes in more value, releases value, provides transparency about the state of the contract, but it's also equally, connect, equally connected to all of the external resources that it needs to make a more advanced hybrid smart contract possible, which we're literally seeing multiple Oracle networks being used by a single contract more and more. And so the real goal of decentralized Oracle networks now is to provide all of the decentralized services that Web3 developers need, because the, the dynamic we want to arrive at eventually is the same dynamic you see in the Web 2.0 world, right? In the Web 2.0 world, people write core code, and then they compose it with a number of external services in the form of APIs, and that allows them to build more advanced applications in hours or days. Right now in the blockchain industry, that still takes weeks or months, and we want to get it down to hours or days because we want to basically put all the, the decentralized services that a smart contract could ever need in this decentralized Oracle network format and make it easily accessible and secure, both able to secure larger and larger amounts of value and able to meet the expanding demand of more and more features and smart contracts that inherently requires more and more interaction with various decentralized services that, that don't yet exist. And once they exist, just like the initial versions of decentralized Oracle and Oracle networks enable DeFi, this will go on to enable um, a whole new type of DeFi, more advanced type of DeFi, and 
decentralized insurance and fraud-proof gaming and fraud-proof ad networks and fraud-proof global trade and, and all of these kind of advanced use cases that so many people have been so excited about the blockchain industry providing. That is super interesting. And, and I just want to clarify one thing. How can Chainlink 2.0 expand on what people can build? I just want to just get a little bit more clarification on that. I, I think there's actually two very important ways. One way is the, the depth and the scalability, the depth of security, the defense and depth of any one decentralized Oracle network and the scalability of any one Oracle network that is now able to scale more efficiently and is able to provide greater and greater security as a singular decentralized Oracle network secures more value. Right, So we're seeing the amount of value in DeFi contracts rise and the security of decentralized Oracle networks should be able to meet the greater and greater security needs of contracts that secure more and more value. And so the, the 136 page paper goes into um, a lot of detail about the mechanisms to which people can achieve security for an Oracle network as the value it controls and, and secures scales and how that scaling of security happens efficiently through reputation and staking and, and any number of other mechanisms. Then the second very important nuance is, is the breadth of services. So this is the dynamic I was just speaking about where if you don't have access to weather data or if you don't have an ability to compute a computation to validate that you know something is true about the world from a number of different disparate data sets, then you can't build a smart contract around that set of events. And what increasing the breadth of the decentralized Oracle networks do is, is, is really going to be about more decentralized services. And I, I really think there's a virtuous cycle there and there's a solution to a chicken and egg problem there that's very important for the blockchain and the smart contract industry generally, where people can't build the smart contracts that go on to define our industry until they have the decentralized service that allows the contract to do what it needs to do to provide value. And those decentralized services won't really appear until there's smart contracts to consume them. And so what the decentralized Oracle network um, model and the meta layer model within the second white paper talks about is how we're now able to arrive at a rapid increase in the amount of decentralized services, which we've already seen with our experience in DeFi and gaming lead to more and more basically smart contracts that then create a larger and larger user base and market for more decentralized services. And so the solving of this chicken and egg problem where we have a multitude of decentralized services where a developer can come into our ecosystem from the web 2.0 world or an existing developer can simply connect his core code to a lot of existing decentralized services for anything from identity data to you know, credit score data to weather data to computations that need to be done in a decentralized Oracle network because they either can't be done on chain or people don't want to do them on chain for privacy reasons and they want to augment and complement the capabilities of a smart contract. And so it's, it's both increasing the security of Oracle networks that, that are involved in securing large amounts of value because that's going to continue to scale. And that's a very important problem to solve. And then it's also being able to efficiently generate more decentralized services and those decentralized services to actually be able to take on some of the computation that users don't want to put on a blockchain and, and they still need to happen. 
And, and this is really where there's this kind of spectrum where blockchains are extremely secure, extremely um, transparent, and have certain limitations about the types of computations they can do, even though they're fantastic at holding value and proving transparent results of the contract and releasing value under certain conditions. And then traditionally what you would have is you would only have centralized servers. And that's not going to work in a hybrid smart contract model because it doesn't meet the requirements of a smart contract. Now you have something in the middle, which is this meta layer of decentralized Oracle networks that allows you to have all the services and all the building blocks that a web developer has, but you have it in the decentralized infrastructure format. And you also have it in this easy to consume format that abstracts away a lot of the security considerations and allows people to simply consume a service without building infrastructure, which, which is really the dynamic that I think has historically accelerated our entire industry to build more amazing smart contracts. And I think that creating that dynamic in, in this case and accelerating people into building more of these hybrid smart contracts, in my opinion, will, will lead to both more advanced DeFi, more advanced blockchain gaming, but also entirely new categories of smart contracts that we can't even foresee, right? Because people weren't able to foresee Uber until somebody made some core code and combined a few services around GPS location, messaging, and payments into that service. And, and so I think what, what this will hopefully kick off and lead to is a progressive redefinition of our industry as being not just about blockchains as a data structure, not just about blockchains as tokenization platforms, but about blockchains and smart contracts as being the standard format for digital agreement about every um, agreement that needs a trustworthy component. And I think that's the vast majority of the world's uh, agreements. Sergey, I always love when you come on the show because you always give me some nuggets. I love what you said there. GPS, messaging, and payments consolidation gave you Uber. And I can't wait to see what comes out of DeFi Chainlink. And congratulations on the, you know, the progress of your company and always, you know, moving forward and coming on and uh, telling us about the innovations that are coming out of the space. Co-founder of Chainlink, Sergey Nazarov, thank you for coming on the show. Thank you for having me. And in today's headlines, South Korean's government will tighten up regulations on cryptocurrency transactions made to take advantage of the South Korean kimchi premium. These kind of transactions are called arbitrage. So we need to define two things here, kimchi and arbitrage. The kimchi premium is that the price in South Korea trades higher than most places in the world. I mean, excluding places like Zimbabwe or Iran or Venezuela, where the Bitcoin price is just higher because of, I don't know, the regulations that they put in or the state of their economies. Well, the kimchi premium is that it trades in South Korea higher. Right now, at the time of writing this article, Bitcoin was at 56500 However, in South Korea, Bitcoin was trading at 65000 725 so 56,000 or 65,000 huge difference that is the kimchi premium so when people see the price difference between one exchange and another exchange if they have the ability to trade in south korea and outside of south korea well they have the ability to make that money so what is that an over nine thousand ten thousand dollars split between the price of bitcoin say trading in the united states to south korea well all you have to do is buy a bitcoin in 
United States for 56,000 and sell it in South Korea for 65,000 and you just make that money and you keep doing that and that's called arbitrage. Arbitrage is just selling at two different prices on two different exchanges or two different places and making the money in the spread of those two prices. Well, South Korea is trying to crack down on that to stop this kimchi premium. Let's see if they are successful. The kimchi premium has been a thing for a while now. I'm not too sure how they're gonna do this, but they're saying you guys better be careful because we are gonna crack down. As you might have heard from last week, Time Magazine now allows, and I think they just launched it, they now allow their readers to pay for digital subscriptions with cryptocurrencies. This service was launched in partnership with digital assets exchange Crypto.com. And I hope to have Crypto.com and or Time Magazine or Time Magazine and or Crypto.com on tomorrow. And I'm going to ask them, why did you decide to do this? And are they having success? Are people actually buying the magazine or subscriptions with cryptocurrencies? And finally, Baseball Hall of Famer from the Boston Red Sox, Ted Williams, is coming to NFTs. Memorabilia of Ted Williams will come in nine different cards, all which follow Ted Williams' famed baseball career. If you want to pick up these NFTs, a Boston Red Sox legend, then the auction begins Saturday, the 24th of April. And I'm going to say that you probably better bring all your Bitcoin with you because this is probably going to get expensive. Thank you for tuning in to today's The Decrypt Daily. My name is Matthew Deemer. Don't forget to go to Apple Podcasts, like, subscribe, share, and leave us a comment. Also, listener question Fridays. Send me an email with your question, Aaron at decrypt.co. And don't forget to go to deemerforcongress.com. That's D-I-E-M-E-R for congress.com and contribute to the campaign. Blockchain advocates in Washington, I'm making a run for it. Let's do it. Until tomorrow, happy hodling. <laughs>